Thank you for joining Geezers of Gear. Today's podcast is brought to you by the new Gearsource.com marketplace. Beginning September 22nd, visitors to Gearsource.com will connect to a completely revisioned global marketplace for professional sound, lighting, video, and staging gear. Dreamed up by the same team who brought you Gearsource, but delivered by the team who developed and managed Reverb.com, Gearsource is a perfect platform for today. You may have a shop full of gear you don't currently need, or perhaps you have sound but need lights. Gearsource can help. The new marketplace platform from Gearsource offers global reach, reduced fees, a state-of-the-art payments process, automated tax support, and tools that enable you to connect easily to your rental and accounting or ERP systems. Visit Gearsource.com today. Hello, 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 and welcome to Geezers of Gear, episode number 118, and happy Friday. Today is September the 11th, 9-11, and so today we have a very special podcast for you, which I will tell you about in a few minutes, but, um, you know, 9-11, one of those days we kind of all remember, and, uh, you know, certainly... I think everyone knows exactly what they were doing when they either saw the television or heard from a friend or heard it on the radio or whatever it was. I certainly do. I was in England at the uh, Plaza show and gathered with a bunch of American folks in a lounge there uh, on the show floor. I think it was, I don't remember, it was like a media lounge or something, but there happened to be a television and it was on either BBC or maybe even CNN. Um, and I saw live, you know, cameras pointed at the towers and saw them going down and the whole thing. So it was a very, very dramatic experience. And then of course got stuck in the UK. That's a whole different story. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, for one, will never forget. I don't think anyone will ever forget. It's, uh, it's certainly an event that changed all of our lives. It changed the way we travel. It changed the way we live. It changed the way we think of each other, I think in many cases. And so, um, significant day and that is actually what drove me to do this podcast today and especially with the guest that we have uh, who is Cosmo Wilson so I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a few minutes. Um, The pandemic of course continues. COVID is still here and sadly people and businesses continue to struggle in our industry and uh, you know we did this red alert restart thing last week. It was wildly successful. It continues to be successful And I'm not bragging about that. What I am telling you or why I'm telling you is because the success of that event has done nothing more than to open people's eyes to our industry, eyes of people outside the industry. So we always call it, you know, getting out of our bubble, getting out of our echo chamber. You know, we all know we're in trouble, but now I think more people outside of us know we're in trouble. And I know that because our uh, Facebook page alone for We Make Events has reached I believe it's around 3 million people now. Um, We have around 20,000 followers on that 
Facebook page. We have an Instagram page that's equally successful. We have a Twitter page that's equally successful. And these were all only created less than a month ago. So it really has been a tremendous success. And we're very proud of what we've done. And we continue to push that further. Um, we're actually building a very strong foundation and team now and platform that we expect to become even larger in the future. And so you'll hear more about that as time goes on. Um, so, you know, one of the other things I want to mention is, is our industry is certainly an industry of problem solvers and thinkers and dreamers. And I'm super impressed by just some of the innovation and, and the courage of not only companies in our industry, but of individuals who have, um, done everything from reinventing themselves. I'm not going to say the P word pivot, but they've done, they've reinvented themselves. They've, they've created new uh, revenue streams or new ways of keeping busy in their companies, in their businesses. And um, they've, for the most part, figured out how to survive. And quite honestly, as sad as it is to see one company fail, uh, I am shocked that we haven't seen more people falling off the cliff because it is really difficult. I mean, you know, we see public companies all the time whose stocks take a beating because they were 5% off on, on their revenue uh, projections. We're talking about companies here that are 75 or 90 or 100% off on their revenue projections and somehow managing to survive. So, you know, forget those big public companies like Google and Facebook and Apple and Microsoft and all of these companies who are able to... Um, you know, keep their stock price rising only because they keep their revenue rising. If, if they get a 10% drop or a 5% drop in revenue, they're in big trouble. And so it's remarkable that people have been able to survive uh, in this industry and have continued to find new ways to, you know, just extend or, or elongate their businesses under extreme conditions. And um, lastly, I just wanted to mention new technologies. So one of the things we're working on with the We Make Events Global uh, group who are based out of the UK is, you know, the idea of actually putting some shows on. And so these won't be shows that are sponsored by the, or uh, I should say promoted by the big promoters. These are shows that would sort of be self-promoted. And they are shows that would be done very safely, but would be done with full audiences. And um, how do you do that? Well, for one, there are new technologies emerging now that are built around apps. And uh, so what happens is uh, these apps have a testing uh, or screening page. And um, so it'll, it'll show up in different colors based on what the status of your testing or your health is. And so obviously we're looking for everyone green. And so we could have events, for example, where you have to pull your phone out and you have to show a uh, green QR code that is attached to your passport, that is identified, that is you. And I'm certain people are going to figure out ways to hack it. But um, for the most part, I've looked at it and it's being used already in certain European, European countries like Germany um, for airport scanning. And so if airports are using it, I would say that it's pretty rock solid. And uh, because you're going to see terrorists trying to get through an airport um, before you're going to see somebody just trying to get into a concert, even though they're a little bit sick or whatever. So um, very, very promising. I believe that this is definitely going to be a bridge to help us get to, um, to doing live shows. 
because one of the problems is early on in all of this, I know many people in our industry, including people who come on my Zoom call every week, were saying we can't do anything until we have a vaccine. Once we have a vaccine, the sky goes blue, the doors open, the rivers start flowing again, and we're in good shape. We can just, you know, open the floodgates. But until then, nothing. So it was an all or nothing thing that was all based on vaccine. Now, because of this crazy divisive political world we're in right now, now suddenly vaccines are bad and we can't take vaccines and, and they're untested and they're unsafe. And uh, so now there's this big sort of anti-vaxxer population happening that is very politically divided. And it's just another reason that we cannot start doing live events. And I think if you know me, if you've listened to this podcast, you know I'm very much against those things, but um, that's where we're at right now. So it's unfortunate because I think the technologies, I think the, the medicines, the um, and now the vaccinations as well are getting to a point where we can safely do an event. And, you know, I watched a football game last night, the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, Houston Texans, and it looked like they had about 25% of the stadium filled, made a lot of noise. They were having a lot of fun. And I believe we're probably going to find out that there weren't any incidents. It was pretty good. And so, you know, let's get back to living. That's kind of where I'm at right now. So with that, I do want to bring on this guest, Cosmo Wilson, who's one of my absolute favorite people in this entire industry. One of the nicest guys. If you know him, I don't have to give him any more introduction. If you don't know him, Cosmo, not only is he a nice guy and a very, very good lighting designer, um, he's one of the hardest working guys in our industry. So this uh, pandemic certainly has uh, has him grounded and has him, you know, really scratching his head on what the hell he should do every day. But um, Cosmo is the lighting guy, LD for uh, ACDC, for Aerosmith. He's worked with a lot of other acts, and I'm not going to go into all of them right now, but uh, loved by all and seems to love all as well. And uh, so one of the more important things uh, recently that Cosmo has been involved in, he was involved with us on the Red Alert Restart program, but um, the 9-11 tribute. And so I know that Cosmo won't talk about this, so I'll tell you right up front here. Cosmo was one of the people most responsible, I believe, for rescuing the 9-11 tribute in light this year. And um, it was going away. There were a lot of reasons it was going away, just from a standpoint of uh, the logistics of doing it, the cost of doing it, and you know whether or not people could safely set these lights up and, and uh, n no one would get sick and all of those things. It, it just became such a, a problem from a cost standpoint, from a political standpoint, and people just backed away from it and said, we're not going to do it this year. And so Cosmo raised his hand and said, wait a minute. And I think you'll hear on the upcoming coming podcast that today is uh, possibly even more important to Cosmo than it is to most of us. So um, with that, I would like to welcome Cosmo Wilson. Good morning, Cosmo. How are you today? I'm doing very good. Somber anniversary on the 11th, but uh, it's, uh, you know, something that you we deal with as, as Americans and as in the world. And of course, the fact I'm here working on it is a, an incredible opportunity and experience for something that's so near and dear to my heart. Yeah. So, 
you know, first, before we get into what you're doing right now, I know you're in New York. Uh, you're probably very close. I don't know. Can you see the tribute out your window or you're not? No, I, I generally, I head down here to, to, uh, to, to, in the morning when, you know, for the beginning and, and then, then head back up, up to my apartment and then go back oh, okay. down there. Okay. So um, I, uh, I can't see it from my window now. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, we're all seeing it. They keep putting it on the news and stuff. So, uh, right. so we'll, we'll talk more about that in a minute, but, um, you know, first, why is nine 11 so important to you? Because I know that I've talked to you a lot and I know that when they canceled this thing, uh, it was, it was a huge issue for you and, and you took on a, a real personal, uh, sort of, you know, project, uh, to make sure that this thing happened. But why is nine 11 important to you? Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's important to pretty much every American just because of, of what happened. But for, for me, I mean, I, I wasn't born in New York, but I grew up, I spent a lot of my youth growing up in New York city back in the, uh, I mean, I had my first time here was in 1968 when my, when my dad had an apartment up here because he's an architect and, uh, but we've, we've had a, a residency in New York for probably since the sixties, you know, pretty much the whole time. Yeah. And you know, growing up, it's hard to explain. I mean, it's a New Yorker thing. The world trade centers, the, the, they're almost, I watched them being constructed as a kid. You know, I watched the, they were an impressive thing and, and they were New York. I mean, there's nothing else like them around the world. Um, and so they were kind of, they're kind of like an anchor. I mean, you know, you see them and you know, it's New York and it, it's like your home. Um, so that, that's part of it is, it's just that I grew up with them. Uh, also my older brother worked for Merrill Lynch and he worked in both towers at different times, depending on which, uh, well, the different, you know, part of Merrill Lynch he was working with, he was a computer guy, uh, IT guy. So yeah, I, I spent a lot of time down there, you know, visiting him. And, um, so when it, you know, then, then as far as when the attack happened, I mean, you know, the attack on the country and everything. And, and I was in Florida at home actually. Uh, my father had passed away uh, on the 30th of August. I come home for to take care of that and the funeral, and I was getting ready to go back on the road when it happened. And uh, I just had this—I just wanted to come to New York. I almost got my car and drove up here just because I felt I needed to be here. Yeah. It was like something happened in the family, and, you know. So uh, it's so hard to explain, but it was like I needed to be here to, to, to whatever I could do. I mean, I didn't get my car and drive up. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's, that's why it's so, so, so close to me. And I've just felt that every year that I have off, which is most of the past 18 years, I come up to New York, uh, even for the day, you know, I get in the night before, sometimes I've gotten in early in the morning, but I, I just feel the need to be up here on this anniversary. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's really Im- incredible. I mean, it's, uh, you know, like you said, I don't think there's any American who uh, doesn't have some sort of feel or, or you know, something, an, an impact from all of this. And, and so just so you know, I don't even know if you know this, but I'm Canadian. So I, I was born in Canada. I was raised in Canada. And when 9-11 happened, I was Canadian living here with a green card. And not long after 9-11, because of that feeling that I got, from going through that with Americans all around me and American, you know, just that feel, I felt like an American, just like everyone else that day. And, um, so I went and got my citizenship not long after that. And it was directly related to nine 11. And it was, it was kind of weird because I got American citizenship during the time that Bush, you know, was leading very unpopular wars and, 
Americans were kind of hated for a while everywhere. You know, whether you went to Europe or Asia or anywhere, they hated Americans. So when I was traveling, uh, I started using my Canadian passport, uh, you know, all the time and, and, uh, and that kind of thing, you know, because it was just easier. Like, you know, if, if you were in a weird country and guys came on the, the bus going to the airport with, you know, automatic machine guns in their hands, checking people's passports, I always just automatically pulled out my Canadian one because I thought nobody hates Canadians, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, it's weird because you say it's a very patriotic, very American feeling to feel on, on nine 11. And, you know, for me, I felt it and I wasn't, I guess, a true American, even though at that time I had lived here for, uh, uh, for 10 years. So yeah. Well, I mean, even in even in Paris, in Paris, the the headline, or in France anyway, the headline said, "We are all Americans." I mean, it was yeah. felt around the world. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty wild, you know. And and uh, so uh, quickly because I don't want this to be about me, but um, I was in the UK when it happened. I was in London for the Plaza trade show, and um, you know, at my my now ex-wife had called me i was in a meeting and she kept calling and calling and calling and i kept hitting ignore on my phone and finally i said i'm in a meeting i'll call you back and she said a plane just flew into a building in new york and i don't know something's crazy's going on and and i thought okay i'll call you right back and you know i'm thinking a little cessna accidentally went off track and kind of bumped into a building or something right um right because you know she she might have had a flair for the dramatic and uh So, you know, I walked out of this meeting and I kept trying to call her back and now I couldn't get through, of course. And so I'm like, okay, this is weird, but I didn't think anything of it. And then someone came up to me and said, did you hear what happened? An American person came up to me and said, did you hear what happened? And I said, no, what? And she said, a a plane flew into one of the towers. And I said, oh, that was real? And she goes, yeah, yeah, a plane flew into a tower. And then somebody else stopped me and said, did you hear what happened? And I said, yeah, a plane flew into a tower. No, two planes now. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? And so somehow I made my way to a little, uh, like a media lounge where it was a tiny little room and there were probably a hundred American people in there watching a little TV on the wall as, you know, the buildings started coming down and stuff. So, yeah. And then I got stuck in the UK because there were no flights coming into America from anywhere at that point. So, but yeah, it was, uh, and, and you know, you mentioned about the, the world, uh, you know, Paris saying we're all American, but we actually had a bit of an incident because there were, I don't know, eight or 10 Americans sitting in uh, the hotel lobby watching CNN or, or whatever it was, BBC or whatever. I think it was CNN on a television in the lobby and a bunch of sort of inebriated Brits came in and changed the channel to a uh, football match. And it almost became a brawl, you know, because there were some very passionate American people there who did not take too kindly to that. And they were like, ah, come on, man. And uh, so, yeah, it got pretty ugly for a minute. So, um, so I can understand your connection to this, you know, growing up in New York. And I know you also have a bit of a uh, passion for uh, the history of, of, the military wars and, and things like that. World war one, yep. world war two. Uh, I know you've educated me every time we've talked about it. So what's, uh, d- do those connect somehow? Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, um, 
Oh yeah, I mean it does. It's a patriot. I'm a, I am a, I am a, I am a patriot. Yes, yes, indeed. And yeah, and you know, it was a, it was an attack on America. You know, and, and uh, it was, it was weird. I mean, usually, the, I mean, the worst thing about this one, it wasn't like you know any any other war. We had a, a country uh, leaders that we could go to. Where as this one, it was more, you know, it was more of a religious type of war with extreme radical uh, Muslim, you know, extremists. Yeah. So it was just a different thing. And uh, you know, all these. People, there's so many people I know that signed up uh, to go into the military after that. You know, it was like you know December seventh, you know Pearl Harbor and stuff. And yeah, and uh, you know, for me, you know, watching, you know, I got I got a phone call that morning from a friend of mine. He said, "You guys turn on the TV, you know, plane crash in the World Trade Center." And so I'm watching the TV, and then the second one happened, and and it was just like the sudden realization, yeah, that um, it wasn't an accident, um, and you know. I, it, you know, and as far as talking about, you know, the, especially the firefighters and the first responders, police, everybody going up in the tower, I just thought, how could they, how could, you know, the, the thought of climbing those stairs and, and all that gear, first of all, was, was a, you know, I just blew my mind. And then when they collapsed, I got to say, when I watched them collapse on TV, it was, I just thought of all the people in there that were dying at that moment. It was, you know, you just don't witness things like, well, you no. witness things like that. And, you know, you know, just the first thing I thought it was all those people that are going to die or dying right in front of my eyes. It was, it was unbelievable. Some of the dramatic things that just played out live, you know, like you're thinking these buildings are built to withstand anything and then watching them crumble down. But even before that, you know, the one famous jumper video, uh, you know, can you imagine making that choice? (laughs) Like, I mean, that is just, uh, that's an unbelievable uh, thought that you choose to jump from. I don't remember what floor that was, but it was like, you know, the 80th floor or something. Uh, and jumping is better than staying there. You know? Uh, well, yeah, you're either get your choice of the burn or, 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 or jump. I mean, it was, yeah. what a horrible, horrible decision to have to make. Yeah. Those are not, uh, those are not very good choices. So, you know, I, I can understand why this is also important to you. And I can also understand why the tribute uh, in light is, is that what it's officially called? Tribute in light, yes. Yeah, and uh, it was it was actually done. You know, it wasn't done the first anniversary. They put them up in uh, in March uh, of two thousand and two, just a few months after okay. uh, after the attack. And it was just thought of. You know, Michael Ahern, who was uh, who uh, passed away a few five years ago. Uh, it was his, he, he was part of it. There was a group of people that decided to do it, but he was the, the passion behind it. Yeah. And they decided to do it as soon as possible just to put something there because people, you know, the seeing the skyline without the twin towers was this, uh, it was it just, you know, this, it was like losing a, a limb or it was, it, you know, they wanted to put something there and then they put that there and it was uh, made such an impact. Yeah. And uh, that, that's when it started, you know, and it wasn't meant to go, it wasn't meant to do anything except, heal at that time yeah yeah so um did they just collect a bunch of money from from donors and then buy a lighting package is that how the whole thing initially came together well i'm it it wasn't it was it was a temporary it was originally done as a temporary thing like i said it wasn't thought to be long term i mean they actually they they were in a different place than they are now they they originally built these um platforms to put them on uh, near, near, near the site. Um, and so they just brought in, what happened is a space cannon was the first one to step up and said that they would, they would help. And that's how space cannon, which manufactures the light got involved. So 
Uh, you know, and the, the 9-11 um, Memorial Foundation, I'm not sure when it started, but I'm sure it started by then because they'd already talked about a museum and rebuilding and everything. So that was just part of it. And as I said, it was originally done just as a temporary, you know, healing thing. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So um, in bringing it back this year, so what had happened? I mean, basically, was it a funding issue? Was it related to COVID? What was the, the well, challenge that? Well, you know, it, it, here's the thing. I mean, as I said, when they first did it, it was a temporary thing. And then they decided to make it more, not permanent, but, but annually. You know, they, they wanted to do it. And they were going to, once again, they were going to do it for a limited time. You know, we'll see in five years or 10 years. And, and I think they were supposed to stop in 2012 after the 10th anniversary. Um, but, but it didn't, it kept going on and people expect to see it. And, um, so, you know, it, it's, it's not, as I said, it's not, we're going to do this every year for eternity. Um, but I think it just, it's something that's expected Yeah. and what happened this year. Um, I mean, you know, it's a combination of things. I mean, the COVID was number one. I mean, you know, the first thing they did is they have, a, you know, they have the group of people and the families come down and they read the name. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, and they, they stopped that, you know, they said, well, we just can't, you know, put too many people at risk. You know, and, and that's part of what happened with the, with the tribute in light is, you know, there's, there's about, you know, all told there's probably about 40 people involved. You know, I mean, there's, we bring in generators and there's security and, and, um, you know, and stage hands and, you know, technical people, there's about 40 people involved in the whole process from beginning to end. And so that was the biggest fear is, is that, you know, if anybody got sick, if anybody got COVID from, from working, that was part of it. I mean, and of course it's finances. It, it, it's a, it's a charitable organization and you know, they're not making any money because the museum has been closed. So, so no, no money's coming in that way. So, so that was part of it. And, you know, a lot of people blamed the, the governor or the, the mayor and, and they, they didn't really have anything to do with it. Um, they just, uh, you know, I'm sure they wanted it to go on, but it, it was up to the Memorial foundation. And I think they wanted to err on the, on the side of caution as they say. Right. But what, you know, so that, that was kind of the, the main reason was COVID and, and, you know, that that's, and, and I think money, but, but, but that, that's, I think once they announced they weren't going to do it, it just, it just shook up the entire country, especially me. Yeah. 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 No, I remember, I, I remember getting that call from you saying, can you believe it? It's, you know, they've canceled it and you were really upset and very passionate about it. And I wasn't surprised when you called me back one day and said that it was back on, um, because, you know, I, I know, again, you're not going to take a lot of credit for it, but I'm pretty confident you were one of the real, uh, uh, you know, cheerleaders behind that coming back, right? Well, I mean, you know, I, I appreciate that. I mean, obviously, the entire, you, know, there was, you know, there was Facebook pages made, you know, you know make the lights return. And, you know, there was a lot of passionate people in, in the country, obviously, who wanted to, come, to, come, to stay on. You know, I'm fortunate because I, I know a lot of people and in, in higher up in the, at least in the, the technical end of it. And, um, for as soon as I heard it, I texted her and I, I, then I, and I called and, and she was, she was just, you know, you know, as upset as I was. Yeah. Um, and you know, basically that she had been told it wasn't going to happen. And, and, um, so, you know, she, 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 she's not a big person on social media, but I told her after what was happening, I said, look, there's so many people in this country who are just so upset about this. And, and, uh, you know, she has the ears of certain higher up people. And, and, uh, you know, I give her a lot of credit because she said, you know what? She says, you, you, you've, 
you and so many other people lit a fire into me. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, work towards getting this back on, seeing what we can do. And, and, you know, she was instrumental in getting, getting it back, you know, and it eventually got pushed up to the governor, you know, and the financial thing was easy. I mean, you know, it's just a matter. I mean, you know, Bloomberg is, is, is uh, one of the main people with the nine 11 museum or, uh, you know, a foundation. Yeah, yeah. So the money thing wasn't such a problem. The problem was, is they were still concerned about COVID, but, um, uh, governor Cuomo decided that what he would do is bring in a team of, uh, health COVID specialist type people to make sure that we were, you know, doing the proper thing, taking temperatures, stuff like that. So, that kind of pushed it back. And then he said, you know what, we can do it now as long as we take safety precautions. And, That's amazing. You know, like I said, the biggest fear, the biggest fear is they don't want anybody to get sick. And, you know, we're taking very, we've taken it very seriously. We, we do our masks and, and goggles and we check in every day and we get our temperature checked when we get there. Uh, you know, we, we maintain as much social distancing as you can. You got, you got to work with people, but you know, so far so good. Can you, you know, give it's, me it's done can, very well? Can you give me some stats? Like, you know, number one, how many people are actually there working on this? Number two, what are we talking about? How many lights? How big are the lights? What you know? What's the wattage? What's the total lumens that are blasting up to create these towers? Um, give me some stats on this thing. Well, I mean, as far as you know, the the, the way it works is we. We uh, we're on the roof of a garage, and obviously it's closed off to go, to uh, parking uh, for the duration. We load in about it's about a two week event. Uh, we load in about uh, on the we loaded in this time on the first of September. Um, all the lights are stored um, under cover in, in the garage um, in, in an area, so they're they're kept there for fifty weeks. Um, there's ninety of them, and we use eighty eight. Um, and what we do is we pull them out one by one and we, we, we place them. Uh, there's, there's like a pot, a map of how they go out, how they, how they sit and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, the first day there's, a, there's probably, a, you know, there's stage hands and there's security and there's, there's production people. And I, I would say the first day there's probably around 30 to 40 people there. Right. You know, we bring in generators and the generators, you know, that was the thing about where we're going to get the power for that many lights. But they're, 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 we, but okay, getting to the lights, they're, they're space cannon lights and each light is 7,000 watts. Um, has a big xenon bulb in it. Um, they they don't. They just do. They do one thing. They turn on, then they turn off. They don't do any other. There's no colors. There's no panning or tilting. Uh, they have four feet that are adjustable, so you can adjust the focus. Um, and um, they we have we you know when, we're, when they're not in use, we have covers over them. We have a canvas cover over the light itself, and then we have a wooden cover over the top just to help keep the rain away. Not that they're, they can be, they can work in there. They can operate in, in any weather, but um, you just try to keep it from getting wet when they're not on. Um, so we place them, there's 44 in each tower and they're placed and uh, the generators uh, are, are brought in um, and they are, they run off of um, bio diesel fuel, which is, they say is collected from the New York restaurants, oil, the oil they, they toss. Yikes. So, that, so they're very, and, and very environment, environmentally friendly. Right. Um, so the footprint there is small and the lights themselves, um, they, we turn them on the first couple of days is just placing them, putting the bulbs in the lamps and cause you, you can't, the lamps are so delicate. You can't move the light with the uh, lamp in it. Right. So you, you, those are placed, those are put in once it's done. So, I mean, it takes time. I mean, 88 lamps, 88 pictures. It, it takes a while to do all that. And then, uh, the, the second night, uh, we fired up where they fire the generator up actually the third night we run, there's a lot of cabling to be run. Of course, all these lights and transformers and breaker boxes. And, and then on the third night, they turn them on for the first time, make sure that they're all working. 
And uh, we do a load test for the generators to make sure we can turn on all 88 at the same time. And, and we leave them on for a little bit just to make sure that everything leveled out. And uh, then uh, we spent a couple of nights focusing, which is really interesting. The, the lights are, we're focusing from the ground, looking up at them. Uh, you know, they're, they, they go about four or five miles into the air, about 30,000 feet, 35,000 feet up into the, up into the sky. Crazy. Um, so it's kind of difficult to focus looking at them, but you can get a pretty good idea. You know, it's like, it's like focusing, you know, ACLs and rock and roll where you just make sure that they're certain, they look like they're close. Yeah. But the problem is you can't see if the whole thing is leaning one way or the other. So what we do the next night is uh, we have spotters, uh, four spotters located uh, in, the, in the cardinal directions. And in this case, one would be in Jersey, one would be in uh, upper Manhattan, Staten Island, and over in Brooklyn. And they look there. They look out with binoculars and they, they contact each other, uh, the, the, the crew focusing there. And they, they, um, basically make it look like it should. I mean, you know, they, they have buildings, they have, you know, things they can use to make it, to make sure it looks straight. It's all about aesthetics. I mean, you know, obviously you can do what you can do and we, we do, put a level on all the lights to make sure they're level, but you know, it's, it's what it looks like. And, and uh, so we spent a few hours doing that and we did that on Friday night. Uh, and uh, then uh, we have, a, we have a couple of days off for the Labor Day weekend. And uh, then we go back in and we do some maintenance on the lights, make sure they're working. You know, the, the ballasts we have, there's a lot of maintenance on those lights because they're brought there, you know, they were manufactured in 2004. Right. Um, and even though they only work once a year, they, you know, sitting doesn't do them good either. It's like a car. You got to yeah. drive it. Yeah. So we spent a lot of time, uh, you know, clamping the light to make sure the power, the amperage is correct. And if it's not, we have to replace ballasts, you know, to make sure everything is right in the range it wants to be. And then, uh, like last night was the tent, and what we did is we turned them on um, to do another load test and also to make sure that there's no problem. So before, every time we turned them on, they weren't on that long and we were doing other things with them. Last night, the specific purpose was to leave them on. Uh, to make sure there was no problems um, because we don't want anything going out tonight. Right. So last night was a test. So we had them on for a few hours. It rained quite a bit though, which is good because it shows that they the can they're impervious yeah. to the rain. We had no, we had no problems with that. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we uh, replaced some ballast and made sure everything was a hundred percent. And then uh, we'll uh, turn them on this afternoon before it gets dark. Um, that way when the sun sets, they're on, you know, it's, it's not like it's a ribbon cutting and they come on. Yeah, they're already on. So, so when the sun sets to there, that's that's the whole point of it, and they'll be on until you can't see them tomorrow morning. Wow, and then strike. Yeah, then uh, tomorrow about eight o'clock, we'll we'll start loading out and uh, have to pack them away for another fifty weeks. Crazy. And um, the and uh, then uh, we'll uh, we'll be back again uh, September of next year. The most interesting thing of that whole conversation there or, or explanation was the focus. Like, so you're literally adjusting feet. That's the only way to focus these things. They don't have any kind of a pan and tilt yoke or anything. Nope. I mean, you know, the, the, the original lights before I was here, the original lights were the, the, the space cannon with the pan and tilt. And the problem was it was just, you know, to move it a, a part of a degree was so difficult. It was, it was, it's easier to do it this way. Well, that, that you know, was going to be my next question is, so when you've got somebody miles away in New Jersey, who's looking at these things through a set of binoculars, you, you turn a wrench like a, a quarter of a turn. And all of a sudden that, that beam is like, you know, 500 feet away from the other ones by the time it gets four miles up in the air or whatever. Right. 
it, it's well that's the thing we do we do it's like one turn uh, or you know it's just one turn what they are is a, is a ratchet with with a with a socket on it on the foot and uh you know they just say you know one turn to the west or one turn to the east they, so it's it's turn that one turn and that moves it just enough yeah um and like I said, for, with the first night we do it from the ground, it's more or less focusing each beam. Yeah. Because when you get a certain distance away, you don't see the 88 single beams as, as yeah. much. You see two more columns. of two beams. Yeah. So, so yeah. So the whole point is, um, you, it, it, it's really weird. What they'll say is that they, they'll, they'll say that the tower appears to be leaning to the north or leaning to the south. So it's a matter of just touching it up you know, like that. It's more of, it's more of like the wall of one side is leaning because it's four walls, you know, yeah. on each tower, just like yeah. the real, like the real world trade centers were crazy. So what, what, I mean, that sounds, the whole thing sounds so incredibly challenging and so many little things can go wrong. I mean, just the fact that it's so much horsepower, uh, you know, a 7,000 watt xenon lamp, so many things can go wrong. And like you said, you can't even, you can't even move the fixtures around with the lamp in it. Um, so, but what, what are some of the biggest challenges, whether based on the lights or the politics or the, you know, the environment or whatever it was, what, in getting this thing done, cause you've been up there for, I think around a week, right? Um, actually 11 days. Wow. So we loaded in 11 days like on the first. So yeah, 11 days. What are, what are some of the biggest challenges you've had to face? Well, I mean, you know, it's, as you know, I'm a very positive person and I find the, you know, positive thing of everything. I mean, it's not the, the challenge is I think the challenge is, is more of a, of a yearly an annual, you know, you, you, you're dealing, you know, you're dealing with lamps that have been sitting for a year or fixtures that have been sitting for a year. Um, I, I think that's, it's a technical, as far as the technical challenge goes, I would just say just getting everything in place. Um, you know, the, the, the each fixture, you know, we've had problems. Uh, we've had to, we've had to replace several lamps. Uh, the lenses crack from time to time it's just a matter of maintaining a fixture that's nearly 20 years old. Um, and as I said, it sits for 50 weeks of the year. So it's just, uh, you know, and, and it's, you know, you, you gotta, you, you gotta keep them going because you, you don't, we don't have a budget to buy new ones. They're not cheap yeah. and they don't make these anymore. So we'd have to find something else. So it's just a matter the biggest challenge is just, just keeping them going, but we take really, really good care of them. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, they're, 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 that's the whole thing is, uh, I would say that's the biggest check technical challenge. Um, the biggest, as far as any kind of political challenge, I mean, I, I don't really deal with that. Um, like I said, over the years, they've talked about, you know, when, how long are they going to do it? So I, I think it's, a uh, you know, it costs money. It costs the, the, the foundation money every year. And, and, um, but you know, it means so much. I, 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 I don't see what there, there's any problem with spending it. Number one and number two, it's nice to have these people come. I mean, most of the people that are here working on this are here, you know, they're, they're, they're being paid, but they also have a passion for it, you know, and that, right. that's very, very important. And, right. and they realize what they're doing is extremely important Yeah, and meaningful. No. And, and that's very, very clear. I mean, one of the things, so you and I both know how hard it is to get the national media's attention just by changing lighting and color of light and stuff because you know we got a ton of local and and regional attention from the media with what we did uh this red alert restart thing that you were a very big part right. of 
and but really nothing as far as the national media was concerned yet you know every time you guys have these lights on to do focusing or testing or whatever it's on the cover of everything cnn fox <laughs> news you know everybody is covering it and and it's like oh look the lights are on so you know it's it's obviously a big deal and like you said the money is not a huge amount of money now that we're talking in trillions for some of the things that are going on in this yeah. in this country yeah. you know the the i can't imagine it's more than you know a hundred grand a year or a couple hundred grand even uh, that's peanuts to to you know continue to uh provide a tribute to what is so important to not only new yorkers but americans and even even people all over the world love to see this so well i, well, I mean even even you know, Pearl Harbor Day, December seventh, is still a thing. Yeah. You know, seventy some years later, eighty years later. I mean, it's still a thing. Yeah. You know, every year. Obviously, the, 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 the obviously most people who are there. I mean, the Pearl Harbor survivors are just a handful now. But um, you know, so I I think this will go on for a very 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 very. Long I certainly time. hope so. And, and I certainly. And hope like so. you said, I mean, as I get back to I get back. Uh, home on and after the after the uh after i you know we do that we check the lights and, the, and then there's posts all over all over the, in the internet of the you know of, of different you know organizations putting up pictures of us testing the lights so i mean yeah it's not even september 11th and they're already they're already well, jumping have, on it you gotta and, have and, tourists uh, there as well right like do you have people stacking up going what are you doing what are you working on well, I no, guess because you're on a roof. Yeah, you're separated. Yeah, we're very far removed from 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 the people. You know, they were concerned about you know the group, people gathering, and it's it's not like that. It's not like it's in the middle of this. There's people gathering at, at the at the at the memorial. Right. But we're not there. We're on a roof. You know, a few blocks away, and and uh, it's, you you can get up there, but it's not easy to find. I'll put it that way. Right. So it's, it's we don't really have a lot of people gathering. That's got to be one of the biggest costs there is, is closing a parking garage in New York City. I mean, that's got some some expense there to it, you know, as expensive well, as mean, it exactly. is to park it's, there. So. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, they have a lot of spaces up there and it's completely closed off for two weeks. So, um, But they close it during the winter as well because once it snows, they don't let people park up there. So that's, you know, it's just, I guess it's just another two weeks in the few months that they don't open it anyway. Right, right. So, um how good do you feel today? I, well, I feel great. You know, I'm, I'm here almost every year and, and, but this year I'm here for, for the purpose, you yeah. know, th- this year, I mean, it's not only did they almost cancel it and, and I'm here, but just the fact that I'm here, you know, as I said, I've been here so many years, you know, from the first anniversary, I made a pilgrimage here and, and now I'm here and I just, you know, I sit up there with these lights and I look up and I just, I'm just blown away that I am, part of the team, you know, putting these, putting these lights on. And, and I know how much they mean to, yeah. to, uh, Americans in the world. And, you know, it's, it's, and, and, you know, I've had so many people contact me and, and say how proud they are of me and how happy, I mean, it just makes, it fills my heart, you know, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a kind of a weird thing. It's a somber occasion. It's, it's, a, it's a memorial for the, for a horrible event that, you know, that, that, that thousands of people died. Yeah. Um, yet it, it's, a there's a, a, a lack of a better word, a feeling of, of joyness in my yeah. heart that I'm part of it and yeah. I'm helping yeah. that, that, uh, I'm continuing this, this memorial and, and the, that's, that's that to me, it's, it's a weird combination of feelings. I completely understand. And, and I get it. I mean, it's like you said, it's a very somber event, but 
you know, we're not celebrating the event. We're celebrating America and the fact that we've not only survived the event, but we've come out a better country, uh, even though the last few years we certainly don't look like a better country, you know, because of how divided we are right now. But, um, but you know, I, th- I think we're a better place and, and we're a better people in general. And uh, hopefully, you know, people won't forget what happened to us. And, and uh, you're a big part of that right now. So I am definitely proud of you. And I love the pictures that I get from you, uh, you know, every night that you're out focusing or whatever. You text me a picture and I'm like, wow, that is incredible. And I've got a, I've got a friend who's in his 70s and has some pretty incredible 9-11 stories. And uh, he's a, a true patriot. And he's always... Uh, you know, the morning after he sees this on the cover of Fox or something, he'll he'll send me a link to a story saying, look at this, blah, blah, blah. And I'll send him back a picture that you've sent me saying, my buddy's there right now doing this. That that was him. And he's like, oh, my God. So he's uh, he's pretty proud of you, too. Well, that makes my heart full. I just I just I'm just so. I just feel so lucky to be here, and and uh, I posted on my on my Facebook page last night before I went to bed. I, I said that you know the universe always puts you where you're supposed to be, and and that's how I feel that it. You know, there's many times that I've been here. You know, now I'm part of it, and yeah. and uh, I, I I honestly don't know anybody as passionate as I am about being here. Uh, you know, yeah. it, 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 the, 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 I mean, I know there's lots of people. That come here that do make pilgrimages i don't know but nobody i know has has, has, has the same passion about yeah. it as i do and, and it, it, it's just the fact i'm here is just mind-boggling to me well and having been been near you through this you know i know that what you're saying is true and and very sincere so you know all i can say is is that i'm super proud of you i i know that uh you know our entire industry is every time you you post a picture or anything. People are so behind you for what you're doing on this. People know how passionate you are. And I think, you know, you help to ignite and, and sort of continue that passion. And I think, you know, as crazily divided as we are, even in our own industry, we're so politically divided in a place where there, I don't even remember there being politics in the past. And suddenly it's, it's political warfare in our industry on Facebook and, you know, then you come out with something so patriotic and it just, regardless of what side of the fence you're on, everybody comes together. And that's, that's cool. You know, if nothing else, I think today is about, you know, Americans, not, not, you know, one side of the political aisle or the other. It's, it's about, we're all Americans and we are all in this together and we were all in this mess together. And, you know, let's have a big group hug on 9-11. A hundred percent. I mean, I agree. That's one of the reasons when they, when they were canceled it, I was like, how can you cancel an event that every single American can agree, agree upon? The one thing we can agree upon yeah. is, is this, you totally know, true. is what happened and how we feel and the fact that the event should go on. Yeah. And, uh, I, I thought, well, we need to do it. It well, has to happen. We, we appreciate you very much Cosmo and, and, uh, you have an amazing day and I wish I was there. I'd buy you a lunch or a cocktail or something. Cause you know, you deserve it. You're, you're there on your own dollar on your own time. And, uh, you know, what you're doing is incredible and, and, uh, we appreciate you very much. Be safe today. All right. I appreciate that. And thank you. And, and like I always say that I, I carry everybody in my heart with me. because I know a lot of people would want to be here. So you're in here in spirit with me and thank you. Thank you, Cosmo. Have a great day. All right. All right, you too. All right, bye-bye.
Thank you for joining us today on Geezers of Gear. Today's podcast is brought to you by Elation Professional. Elation wish everyone good health and strength in these trying times and look forward to continuing to work together within the lighting community to help build a brighter future. Elation has remained open and serving its customers throughout the crisis, working on a reduced Monday through Thursday schedule. The company has also stayed connected with a series of online webinars, the Elation Hour online broadcast, featuring guest LDs sharing their techniques along with more behind-the-products discussions from Elation, Obsidian, and Magmatic product specialists. The Elation Hour airs live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. In addition, Obsidian has been running a series of free weekly training sessions. For details and registration, please visit Elation's website events page, Facebook events page, or the Obsidian Controls training website. Together, our industry will weather this storm and come out strong on the other side. Sweet, sweet thing You never buy but you are 